Amen. Philippians chapter 4, uh, as we look at this morning, my God is sufficient. In Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> it's a, a book of rejoicing, and uh, what a wonderful thing to rejoice about the Savior. And uh, Paul has provided for a people that did not have much means. And so Paul is speaking to some poor people, some individuals that are struggling. Paul realized that his sustenance and his needs were not met by man, but they're met by God. God provides and furnishes all that you and I need to accomplish that which he has called us to do. Yet a personal companionship in the Christian walk does much to encourage us, right? If you have a companion with you to walk the journey, you have a friend, a spouse, someone that loves the Lord to walk the Christian walk with you. And may we be content with our situation and not waver in our Christian walk when times get tough. It is so easy when times are difficult that we throw up our hands and say, it doesn't matter to be a Christian. You know, Paul was, not, was a military strategist of the widest vision. One uh, illustration here, John Phillips. He says, in another age, under different circumstances, if he had been born a Greek or Roman Gentile, he would have been an Alexander or a Caesar. Instead, he was born a Jew and a born-again Christian. His soaring ambition saw a world to be conquered and brought captive to the feet of Jesus. Paul had plans to conquer Spain. Plans to go where the Caesar's legions had not gone. Plans to cross the Rhine. Plans to invade the islands of Britannia. Plans to bring wild and governable individuals to Christ, but he was in prison. Who can tell how his captivity must have galled his soul? Eventually, imprisonment would have crushed even his proud spirit if he had not known how to be content in all things. Paul's desire is that all man, all mankind, all humanity come to know Jesus Christ. That is the greatest need today. Paul was in prison, and man, his heart was on fire to go for God. Nothing would stop him. And yet God taught him and is teaching us through the Spirit of God who inspired him to write these words Philippians chapter 4. I'd like you to follow along with me as I read these. And just as we think about this, trials, troubles, tribulations, difficulties, struggles, hardships, that you know what? God is still sufficient. And we have to learn that God is still good. Verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, notice what he says here, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He's in prison. He's hindered, and we could easily say, God, you don't love me, I'm in prison. And by the way, it's cold here. My eyes aren't very good, my body's in bad health. I need other people to help me. I can't do it alone. I'm struggling. Paul is in, in, his body's in pain as he writes these words. He says, verse 12, I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He's saying, I don't have the strength. But Christ does. Notwithstanding, you have well done that ye did communicate with me in my affliction. Apostle Paul is saying, listen, thank you, Church of Philippi. You've encouraged me. You've helped me. There's things I just couldn't do. 
but you helped me. You wrote to me. You, you stayed there by the stuff. And I want to talk about this today, that we need to let God be sufficient for every circumstance of life. It's easy in the good times to say, oh, God is all-sufficient. But it's in those bad times. It's in those times where you're at the bottom of a valley and you don't know where you're going. It's in that time where you're crying out, Lord, do you even hear me? You don't even care, Lord. I'm struggling. And yet the Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Spirit of God, whatever state I am, I can be content. Thanksgiving is all about God. I've got to let God be enough, no matter what I'm going through. I want to talk about several things here. Great provision, settled contentment, and a sufficient Savior. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing upon this time. And Maybe your heart is heavy this morning. Maybe you're troubled. You're struggling with some things in your life. I trust that this message would encourage you to run to the arms of he who is waiting to hear from you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. And my God, I come before thy throne totally unworthy. Father, these dear people, I pray that you'd encourage their hearts. It's a Thanksgiving weekend, and Lord, it's easy when we come to church to put on a smile and everything's good, Lord, but in reality, down deep in our hearts, Lord, we're struggling. We need a refreshment from you. Lord, we need a fresh renewing of our soul. A joy that is unspeakable comes from you, Lord. God, if there's any sin in our lives that's preventing that, Lord, show it to us today and help us find refreshment, joy, rejoicing, contentment. Jesus, I love you and how we need you this morning. And so, Father, use my lips the words that I speak, that they would all be to thy honor and thy glory. Help us to be found faithful, God. God, it's much more than just merely coming and sitting. Lord, it is about having a relationship with the Almighty God. And Lord, knowing that you care for even our deepest concerns. And so, Father, I'm asking you to do what only you can to touch the hearts to lift up, to encourage, to challenge. And so, Father, may you be glorified. I love you. Through the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In verses 10 and 14, we find a great provision. And first of all, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know what? Paul loves these believers. They're dear to him. And the provision that we get is oftentimes by an encouragement that expresses love. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. You know what? Apostle Paul is saying, listen, Titus told us about what the church of Corinth was going through. They were struggling. They were, you know, and he says, I needed someone to talk to. And there was an encouragement. There's an expression of love of a heart of one believer to another believer saying, listen, 
I care about the journey you're going through right now. God uses other believers to meet our needs. None of us are sufficient of ourselves. And that is the beauty of a local church where you walk together with the Lord Jesus Christ, encouraging, holding up brothers and sisters in the Lord who are struggling. Church is much more than a Sunday activity. Someone goes to the hospital and they come home and maybe have some meals or some other things they need. The church ought to be there. There's an encouragement. You don't realize in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-4, through 4, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, that word wit means to know, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of of the ministering to the saints. Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians, he's saying, listen, you know what Paul is saying? The church of Jerusalem, I made havoc of the church. I took husbands and wives and children and I killed them and I put them in jail and the church in Jerusalem is suffering. They're struggling. And the churches of Macedonia, a group of churches in Macedonia got together, though they themselves were enduring incredible persecution, hardship, and they were in great poverty. You know, realize I find sometimes, sometimes those who are in the deepest of poverty are oftentimes the greatest givers. Because they realize their provision doesn't come from man, it comes from God. And so they give as God enables them and, and leads them. And the churches of Macedonia would give to the church in Jerusalem to encourage them. Macedonian brethren were used also to meet Paul's needs. And Paul's saying, whoa, you guys are already suffering enough. Why are you giving? Why are you doing? It was their joy to come along and be a blessing. I had a friend of mine back when I was in the military in New York, and he was a retired uh, lieutenant colonel from the Air Force. And he always used to tell me, Chris, he said, you know, it's better to give than to receive, but someone has to receive. <laughs> you know, he'd always tease me, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we need each other. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9, Paul's needs were met by the poor. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. Here in Philippians chapter 4, but I rejoice the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Paul's saying, listen, you guys are taking care of me. He's in prison, he's struggling, he's discouraged. You're thinking the great apostle Paul is discouraged? He is. And God sends other brothers and sisters to encourage None of us are self-sufficient. None of us are independent. And God will quickly show us we're not independent. And God is sufficient to provide the believers that we need at just the time we need it. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of the faith. He says, listen, make it a priority to help those who are of the faith. You want to know something else? That God's efficiency in providing other believers. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Our helping out the brethren reaps eternal rewards. 
You know what? Sometimes coming alongside a brother or sister in the Lord who's struggling, they're hurting. God says, listen, I want you to be the vessel to serve me by helping them. We think this oftentimes, I'm so independent, I'm going to do it myself, I don't need other believers. I remember a time when I was in the military, I was on TDY, temporary duty, like a business trip to Ohio, I broke my foot, I was in a place, and I had a clutch, I had a manual transmission, and I broke my right foot. It was a bad day. I couldn't drive. So I had to ask for help, and I just got to this church, and some people drove me around, and I felt kind of awkward. I'm like, ah, I'm used to doing everything on my own, and God broke me of that. I didn't like it. <laughs> but you know what God used? There was one older lady, a very sweet lady. We went on the bus route together, and, and uh, I do groceries and other stuff. She came along. It was just a tremendous blessing to me. <laughs> I hated it. I want to do it all myself. God says, no, I'm sufficient, I'll help you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to show you how much you need me. You know what's something else that God does in our lives? A settled contentment. What is it that makes you content in your life? You have enough money, you're smart enough, enough friends, house isn't breaking down. Other things aren't happening to you. Co-workers are nice to you. What is your, where, where do you get contentment? Where does that contentment come within your soul? Could you be content if you were in prison? And you know what? If I'm asking myself that same question, I'm thinking, oh my Lord. Can you, would you be content with God if you were in prison? Because you were doing what God's will was. You were preaching the gospel. You're telling people about Jesus and they imprisoned you. Would you be content? Or would you be fuming? I'm going to get that horrible government. Oh, I'm going to do a coup. I'm going to do treason. Whatever it is, I'm going to get them. Could I be content? Apostle Paul says, verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The dagger goes in the heart. The Christian life isn't about you. Church isn't about you, it's all about him, as I said last week. That I want to re- I'm encouraged by other believers, I'm serving God, but it's, not, it's about him. Paul wasn't begging, he was bragging on the Philippian believers who were trying, you know, that a motive of trying to receive something from the brethren, the fact that they were encouraging him. He's express, expressing his heartfelt appreciation that these believers increase their opportunity to be charitable. The Christian life is about serving, not being served. It's not what the church can give to me, but what I can do for Christ through the church. And Paul is thankful the Philippian church is generous. And you're thinking, oh man, pastor's talking about money again. No, it has nothing to do with money. That's about your heart for God. His rejoicing was contingent, was not contingent on whether he was adequately provided for, though he was. But he's in prison. His heart is to reach the world. I mean, a painful position. I want you to notice with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Maybe I'm hitting home on a hard topic this evening, this morning, excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. You know, the real test of our life is whether I can be content. And You know, just as 
I preach this oftentimes. There's trials a week to follow to see whether what I've preached, I'm actually willing to follow through with. Sometimes I don't like it. <laughs> Can I say that? I'll be honest. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Okay, let's read what Apostle Paul went through. Let's look at verse 23, or verse 24. The Jews, five times received, I 40 stripes, save one. He says, five times I received 39 whippings. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered a shipwreck. A night and a day have I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. And then verse 27, as you read. So the Apostle Paul's body is hurting a whole lot. I mean, he's been beaten five times. He's had robbers. He's been stoned where they thought he was dead. I mean, they knocked him unconscious. He wakes back up and he goes back and he preaches. He's been beaten up by his own robbers. His own countrymen hate him. The heathen hate him in wilderness. I mean, he's been out in the bush all by himself. He's been in perils in the sea. I mean, he's been out to sea, freezing his tail off. God, where are you? And yet he still has saying, I can be content. I'm just thinking, what? Yeah, I sure have a weak understanding of the contentment of God. Look with me at verse 7 of chapter 12. He says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there is given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. What's God saying? He says, Listen, Paul, I want to keep you humble, so I'm going to keep your body in pain. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my, infirmity, in my infirmities. The power of Christ may rest upon me. <laughs> he says, I'm glad. I'm glad my body's in pain. I'm glad I'm hurting. Keeps me humble and lets me know that God is sufficient. That sure is, it doesn't preach well, it doesn't draw the crowds. This health, wealth, and prosperity stuff. But God is still good. What is a proper mindset? Genesis chapter 28. I want you to notice with me Genesis 28. I'm not making very much progress here. I'm only on page 2 of 9, 7. Genesis chapter 28. Verse 19. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. He says, Listen. God, if you go with me, it'll be okay. How about Philippians chapter 3? So you have to be content with God's provision. If God's with me, it's okay. 
Think about this, Philippians 3.8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. What did the Apostle Paul have at the end of his life? He had a few books, some clothes, and some parchments, the scriptures. That's all he had. It's not a very good retirement. <laughs> it's not a very good retirement at all. I mean, you wouldn't want Paul as your financial advisor. Paul is saying, my greatest concern is Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know what, it's, you know, as we think about this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, in Matthew 6, 31 through 34, take, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. One time when I used to work years ago, when I was going through Bible college and training to be a pastor, I, I worked at a fast food restaurant. I'd gone from being an electrical engineer, Air Force officer, to working as a manager at a fast food restaurant. And uh, pay was not very good. But all our bills were paid. Then I would get a, you know, sometimes my boss, only a couple times, a few times, he came and said, I'm going to give you a dollar raise. I was like, woohoo! You know, I went from like, whatever, $10 to $11, 11 to $12, 12 to finally, I think, $13 an hour by the time I left. You know what? Every time I got a pay raise, it almost seemed harder to pay the bills than it did before I got the pay raise, though I got more money coming in. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but those bills were paid. I had to come to the conclusion that Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. God saying, listen, I will provide for you. How about this one, Luke chapter 3, verse 12. Luke chapter 3, verse 12. Be content with your wages. Then came also publicans, who were not very well liked by the Jewish people, to say the least, to be baptized, and said unto the master, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. So here's the publicans, the tax collectors, right? And the soldiers say, likewise, demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. I deserve more pay. I mean, do they understand my qualifications? I deserve more pay. How about you leave that in God's hands? Stop fighting for your position. I'm not saying that you can't, you know, endeavor for greater education. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we do a lot of complaining. We do a lot less coming to God and saying, Lord, I need some help. Well, they don't know how qualified I am. But God does. You realize, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. What are you doing when you die? Everything you work for in this life, you can't take it with you. But you can take with you those to whom you've invested your life for eternity. 
to reach people for Jesus Christ. Those you can take with you. You can't take any material goods. It says in verse 8 of 1 Timothy 6, And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and do many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money, is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. How many Hollywood people have you ever heard of? That Hollywood people are always really, really happy people, right? They always have the best life. I say that with heavy sarcasm, okay? I mean, the tabloids are always exploiting the sorrow of those of Hollywood. They make money out of the sorrow of those who have money. So money obviously doesn't bring happiness. Well, you say, well, it brings money for a short time. Yeah, you can have some toys. But it doesn't help in your relationships. Can you be content when you're poor? Can you be content when you're humbled? Can you be content when you're dependent on someone else? Can you be content when you're abounding? You know, in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You know what? You don't have God saying, if you can't be content with where you're at, covetousness is, I don't have enough, and I want more. And I'm going to give everything I have to getting more, whatever that more is. But he says, if you can be content, God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The I'll never leave you nor forsake you isn't... You know, he won't leave us or forsake us if you're a believer, but the fact is, if I want the closeness of God's, uh, of God's presence, I've got to be content where I'm at. Now, if, now, I understand. If you're in university or education or learning, that's great. Continue to pursue, okay? That's the path God has for you. But I'm, I'm not saying you're not pursuing further, you, you know, if you're young and, or you're older, whatever the thing is, you do what God's called you, but can you be content on the path God has for you? You realize a biblical mind says, I am to have my mind in reverence and respect the Lord. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord tendeth in life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. <laughs> the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. You know what? I ought to desire fruit. Not be, you know, Philippians 4.17, not because I desire a fruit, a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I'm desiring that other people will better themselves, that they'll draw close to the Lord, that, I, that if I can just have the opportunity to be a blessing and a servant to other people, that they can become better. Rather than looking what other people have and I don't have and be like, they don't deserve that, I'm saying, hallelujah, God's helped them. God's encouraged them. How often our society, we're like, well, that person doesn't deserve that. Oh, they have more than I, and I've worked hard, and oh, that work, I'm so, oh, that worker, oh, they don't deserve it. They're such a, you know, you fill in all the adjectives you want to put in there for that person that are not very positive. You realize that Paul lived what he preached. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but we are wise and but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. You know what sometimes as a Christian, you're going to be looked down on? 
they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. It just so happens that you carry the name of Christ with you, and so they look down on you. They don't want what you have. But I don't want what they have. You realize the early disciples of Christ would suffer much? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, as I had read that earlier, in stripes and imprisonments and all that Paul suffered. I want to read you a little illustration here about a settled mind on Christ, Philip McClendon's reflection. So can you imagine, here's a little quote, can you imagine what it was like for the church in Smyrna as they watched their beloved and aged pastor burn at the stake? Polycarp was his name. A disciple of Jesus, the Apostle John, so he was Apostle John's disciple, one could tell it immediately because he possessed the same tenderness and compassion as his mentor. Polycarp was the bishop of the church at Smyrna, which is in present-day Turkey. Persecution broke out in Smyrna, and many Christians were fed to the wild beasts in the arena. The godless and bloodthirsty crowd called for the carcass of the leader, Polycarp. The authorities sent a search party to find him. He had been taken into hiding by some Christians, but the Romans tortured two young believers until they finally disclosed his location. When the authorities' arrival was announced, there was still some time to which Polycarp could go away, but he refused to go, saying, God's will be done. One of the most touching instances of Christian grace imaginable, Polycarp welcomed his captors as if they were friends. He talked with them and insisted they eat a meal. He made only one request before being taken away. He asked for one hour to pray. The Roman soldiers who were sent out to arrest him listened to his prayer. Their hearts melted and they gave him two hours to pray. Other authorities also experienced warmed hearts when Polycarp arrived. The proconsul tried to find a way to release him too. Curse God and I will let you go, he pleaded. Polycarp's reply was, for 86 years I have served him. He has never done me wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? The proconsul looked for a way out. Do this, old man. Just swear by the spirit of the emperor and that will be sufficient. Polycarp's reply was, if you imagine for a moment that I would do that, then I think you pretend that you don't know who I am. Hear it plainly. I am a Christian. More entreaties were made by the proconsul. Polycarp stood firm. The proconsul threatened him with the wild beast. Polycarp's reply was, bring them forth. I would change my mind if it meant going from worst to best, but not to change from right to wrong. The proconsul threatened, I will burn you alive. Polycarp's reply was, you threaten with fire that which burns for an hour and is over, but the judgment on the ungodly is forever. And fires engulfed him. The witnesses Notice his faith and joy. He was finished off with a dagger. He was buried for the cause of Christ on February 22nd, A.D. 155. It was a day of victory, as it was also a day of tragedy. Polycarp illustrated the power of knowing Christ in the flames. As Jesus said, For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? When we talk about the sufficiency of God, sufficiency is oftentimes what we turn to when everything else is bad, right? Where do you turn when life becomes upside down? Where do you turn when tragedy strikes? Whatever is sufficient for you. In verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Who is sufficient here? It's not the strength in me. A lot of people are like, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's not about me. I don't have any strength inherent in myself. It's Christ 
So Paul wasn't able to endure these circumstances, the beatings and the the shipwrecks and everything else. He's saying, it's Christ. There is a misunderstanding in mainstream evangelicalism today that Christ will strengthen me for any task I want to do or feel called to do. That is raw hedonism. Whatever you want to do, God's going to strengthen you? That's not... No. (laughs) You do what God wants to do, and God will strengthen you. God does not conform to our wishes. We are to conform to his will. My sufficiency and contentment and peace come only by abiding in Christ. John 15, probably one of my more favorite passages of Scripture. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. There's blessings in being in the vine. And you are only sufficient through Christ. You know the Christian life is impossible. It's impossible. You can't walk by faith in your own strength. You don't have the strength to carry through with the commands that God gives you. You don't have the strength. You don't have the the strength. You're saying, yes, I do. You're going to get really tired really fast. You're saying this whole thing of praying and talking with God. And, you know, sometimes as a pastor, I'm, uh, I, you know, there might be individuals who are really hurting and struggling. And I listen and I listen and I listen. And, and my heart goes out and it tears me up. And, 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 and you know, I, I want to bear the burdens and come along and be an encouragement. But there comes a time saying, Lord, there's too much. I can't do it. So I got to get alone with God and say, God, they're your people. You carry the burdens and you give me wisdom. I can't carry burdens of people. He's got the shoulders, I don't. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ with passive knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. How do I love the unlovely? How do I love the unlovely co-worker, family member, church member? How do I love the unlovely? It's not in me, and it's not in you. You see, God's fullness, his character, indwells those who are his children. His children are humble. His children live by faith. His children are rooted and grounded in love and an intimate knowledge of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan is looking to take you down. You know what? It's sometimes you, you can come out of church, you're excited, or maybe you've had a day, you're in God's Word, and man, you're excited. You're like, woohoo! God is good! Woo! And all of a sudden, you get that text, or phone call, or the boss says something to you, and man, you're just like, woo! <laughs> you're emotional. I mean, you're just done. You're like, where did that come from? That came out of way out of left field. I'm doing God's will. Yes. And man, you just get a swift kick to the backside. Any one of us can be strong for a little bit. Any one of us can juggle a multitude of things. But you're going to get tired. 
the question is, where is your contentment and sufficiency? If you're going through hard times or struggles of your life, you're not strong enough to indefinitely hold on. But you are strong enough if you're a faithful, obedient child of God. We must surrender now to humble ourselves before God. Let Him strengthen you whatever you're going through. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? Doesn't he ever get tired of my prayers? Oh my God, I'm so tired. He never gets tired. He never gets weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. You know, we were playing youth group here a couple weeks ago. We had a big ball, five-foot big ball. <laughs> I, I found it funny. The young people, they're pushing this big ball around, and no more than several minutes later, they're like, ah! Am I correct? I mean, they're just like, ah! 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 You know, they're just tired. And that ball was heavy. And I was tired, too. My hips were hurting a little bit afterwards. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know what God does? Every morning that you get up, you spend some time with him, he gives you the strength for the day, whatever comes your way. You know, as we get older, and I've known, at least for me, I, I just turned 40 this year. Not very, maybe you're saying, that's not very old. Well, it's old for me, okay? And, uh, but I get up, I'm like, oh, my hips, my lower back, you know, sometimes I'm just like, oh, and you're thinking, oh man, pastor, <laughs> that's nothing. Okay, whatever. But the older we get, we feel pain. And I'm thinking, Lord, I got a lot to do this week. I don't have, my, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know what? Every day, God guides my mind, gives me the strength. He expedites time. There's times, man, you're looking at the clock. You're like, oh man, this day is just flying through. Other times, man, I've, you know, there's other times and I'm just like, whew. Oh, Lord, man, you're giving me a lot of time today. I'm like, the same amount of 60 seconds. But somehow he expedites the thinking, he expedites things, and I can get a lot done some days, and other days not so much. God will give you what you can do for that day. Paul's not whining here. He's not discussing fear, dismay, or how feeble he is. He's only speaking of a resounding, steadfast security in the strong, protecting, sustaining hand of the Lord. God promises to strengthen Israel if they would do right. Isaiah 41. Fear not, for free thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And Polycarp would understand where strength comes from. Isaiah 45, 24, before I come to the conclusion. Surely shall one say in the Lord, have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. Contentment. Is God sufficient? Is God sufficient for the good and the bad? Christianity likes to say, oh man, if you come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Where is that found in the Bible? He doesn't say you won't be without troubles. He doesn't say you won't be without trials, but he does say I'll be with you through the trials. You know what? It's great to have a friend in the hard times. Great to have someone that will never leave you in the hard times. That's a pretty good thing. 
God never promised health, wealth, and prosperity. He did promise, I'll never leave you nor forsake you if I'm sufficient. In conclusion, many interesting accounts have been associated with the use of the hymn, All Hail the Power. Quote here, one of the most remarkable is a story told by a pioneer missionary to India. One day, he was waylaid by a murderous band of tribesmen who were closing in on him with spears. On impulse, the missionary took his violin out of his luggage and began to play and sing this hymn. When he reached the stanza, let every kindred, every tribe, he saw to his surprise every spear lowered and many of these tribesmen moved to tears. The missionary spent the remaining years of his life preaching and ministering God's love and redemption to these people. God in his providence used a simple hymn as a means of introducing the gospel to a group of needy pagans. I want to ask you a question here in in closing. Number one, is he your God? Whether you're here or you're watching online, have you been born again? Has your spirit been brought to life in Christ? Do you know that Jesus is your Savior? Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know when you were born again? Because you simply put your faith and trust in the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you answer yes, I know. Then I want to ask you the question, is Christ sufficient for you? Is he sufficient? I'm asking myself the same. As I'm asking you, I'm also asking myself. Are you longing for someone else to fill a need or a void in your life? Are you content with your circumstances of life? If you, want to be, if you wish to be somewhere else, if you wish to be someone else, then we're not content. I wish I was younger. I wish I was smarter. I wish I was more wealthy. I wish, I wish, I wish. Why can't I just say, God, you've made me this way. I'll serve you the rest of the days of my life. Let me read this passage again, and, we'll come, and then we'll come to a time of quiet invitation this, after, this, evening, or this morning. Excuse me, I don't know what time it is. Verse 11. Philippians 4, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, if you're in sin, get out of sin, right? I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Can we look at that and say, you know what, what the Bible says, that's true for me. If you're saying and God is pricking your heart right now. God's pointing to a part of your heart and your mind, your thinking, saying, I'm not content. I'm really struggling. It's about time that maybe you spend some time just talking with God. Just get alone with Him. Spend some time in the Psalms and see what God has to say about you, what He has to say about Himself. When you begin to know how God thinks about you and you begin to understand God, you'll come to the conclusion Christ is sufficient in all things. Where are you at this morning with head bowed and eyes closed, no music playing this morning? I just want to challenge you in your hearts. When you're done praying, feel free to look back up. When everyone's looking up, I'll conclude in prayer. But I just want to challenge you, first of all, if you're watching online or you're here in person, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's never a time and point in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and be your Savior. 
please do it today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed later today. Trust Jesus. Your sins, put Jesus on that cross. His sacrifice gives you forgiveness of all your sins. He paid it all. And if you'll simply call out to Him, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me and be my Savior. And you trust in Him alone to the exclusion of all else. My friend, He'll become your Savior and He'll forgive you. And if you're a Christian, you know you've done that. The question to ask is, what does it take to make me content?